158th sign. Let it be clear that what transpired in Kabul after the martyrdom of Malvi Sahibzada Abdul Latif is also a sign from God in my favor. Since I was grievously humiliated by the assassination of this ill-treated martyr, the wrath of God drew the sword of his fury against Kabul. A severe epidemic of cholera broke out in the city after the assassination of this ill-treated martyr, and most out of those who took part in the assassination conspiracy against this ill-treated martyr fell victim to it. Wailing for the fatality started even in the houses of the Amir of Kabul. Thousands of people who were rejoicing over this assassination fell prey to this death. It is said that this cholera epidemic struck with a ferocity that was never before witnessed in Kabul. Thus, the following revelation was fulfilled in this case also. I shall humiliate him who designs to humiliate you. Look, the innocent blood of the moth did not even give the candle enough respite to see the dawn. 159 sign. On page 58 of my book, Damima and Jamea Tha'am, is recorded the prophecy in respect of Mawri Abdul Haq Ghaznawi, which runs as follows. This reference text appears in Rouhani Khazain, Volume 2, page 342, published in 2008. After the Mubahila with Abdul Haq, God Almighty blessed me with the prosperity in every respect, increased the number of my followers to thousands, convinced hundreds of thousands of my scholarship, blessed me with the birth of another son, raising the number of sons to three in conformity with the revelation, and then repeatedly revealed to me about a fourth son. I assure Abdul Haq that he will not die until he hears of the fulfillment of this revelation. If he amounts to something, he should delay this prophecy by supplication. Refer to page 58 of my book, Damima and Jamayatam. This is the prophecy that was made about the birth of my fourth son. Then two and a half years after this prophecy, the fourth son was born during the very lifetime of Abdul Haq. He was named Mubarak Ahmad, who by the grace of God Almighty is alive till now. In case Abdul Haq has not yet heard about the birth of this son, I hereby communicated to him. What a magnificent sign it is that has been proven true on both counts. Abdul Haq remained alive until the birth of the son, and the son was born as well. Furthermore, no malediction by Abdul Haq concerning this was accepted, and he could not stop the birth of this promised son of mine through his malediction. Indeed, I was blessed with three sons instead of one, but Abdul Haq, on the other hand, suffered that fate that, even after the passage of twelve years, not a single child was born into his household after the Mubahila. And it is obvious that to become issueless after the Mubahila and not to bear so much as a single child, despite the passage of twelve years, and to remain utterly deprived of offspring, is also a sign of God's wrath and tantamount to death, as Allah the Almighty says. Surely it is your enemy who is without issue. Surah Al-Qawthar, chapter 108, verse 4 of the Holy Quran. Bear in mind that due to this very slander, no son was born to Abdul Haq. Rather, he remained issueless, barren, and bereft of this blessing, and his brother died, thus, after the Mubahila, instead of the birth of his son, even his dear brother to enter the valley of death. Footnote start. In my book, Anwarul Islam, I had also, by way of a prophecy, indicated to Abdul Haq that he would remain deprived of children, 
he should try to do his best to disprove this prophecy of mine and ward off the consequences of the Mubahila. As a result, he is still issueless, and by today's date, i.e. September 28, 1906, even after the passage of 13 years since the Mubahila, he is still deprived of a child. Footnote end. At this point, fair-minded people should consider and, fearing God Almighty, reflect whether this knowledge of the unseen is within the capability of a human being that he should make a fabricated prophecy, that he will certainly have a fourth son born to him, and it is certain that until then a particular person shall remain alive, and thereafter it should transpire exactly like that. Is there any precedence of this in the world that God supported an impostor, such that he made him appear truthful on both counts, that is, gave him the fourth son, along with letting his enemy live until that time, in accordance with the prophecy? Bear in mind that one blessing that was given to me out of the hundred other blessings of the Mubahila is that God granted me three sons after the Mubahila, namely, one, Sharif Ahmad, two, Mubarak Ahmad, and three, Nasir Ahmad. Now, if it is an error on my part to claim that Abdul Haq is issueless, let him announce how many sons were born to him after the Mubahila and their whereabouts, or at least show us any earlier son. Footnote start. In accordance with the prophecy which has been published in Anwarul Islam, no son has been born in Abdul Haq's house to this day. For in my book Anwarul Islam, I have clearly prophesied, no matter how hard Abdul Haq tries or supplicates, he would remain deprived of a male child. Thus did it happen. Footnote end. What is it then, if not the result of the curse? Moreover, I have repeatedly pointed out that just as Abdul Haq remained deprived of every blessing after the Mubahila, I, in contrast to him, was granted every favor of God, such that there is no blessing, material or spiritual, that I did not receive. My progeny increased in that they became five instead of two, my wealth increased in that hundreds of thousands of rupees came. My honor increased in that the hundreds of thousands of people pledged bath with me. And my support from God increased in that hundreds of signs appeared for my sake. 160th sign. At this moment, I am holding a letter from Marvi Abdul Rahman Muhyiuddin of Lahukay, written with his own pen, which has just been handed over to me by my friend, the learned the distinguished Malvi Hakim Nuruddin, and I consider it a sign from God Almighty. Therefore, I reproduce below the copy of the actual letter signed by the above-mentioned Malvi. Later, I will show how it is a sign for me. The letter is as follows. In the book is a photocopy of the original prayer, which appears on pages 532 to 533. Letter of Abdurrahman Rahman in the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, we praise God and invoke his blessings. After this, Abdurrahman Muhyiuddin submits to all Muslims that this humble one prayed thus, O the all-knowing, apprise me of the status of Mirza. During sleep, I received this revelation. Verily, Pharaoh and Haman and their hosts were mistaken. Surely, it is your enemy who is without issue. Footnote start. Quite a number of people also perish on account of failing to understand their dreams. This prayer of Mawli Abdurrahman Muhyiuddin was meant to find out whether the Mirza, meaning me, was really a kafir, as declared by Mawli Nazir Hussain of Delhi.
and his student Malvi Abu Said Muhammad Hussein of Batala and the rest of their hosts, what is his status in the sight of God? Thereupon, in its response, if we assume Muhyiddin's revelation to be true, God said, Verily, Pharaoh and Haman and their hosts were mistaken. Surely, it is your enemy who is without issue. Therefore, I would interpret this revelation to mean that, in this revelation, God Almighty designated the two Malvis, who were the founders of Takfir, judging me as disbeliever, as Pharaoh and Haman, and said that both of them and their followers were wrong in their takfir. Metaphorically speaking, the first to issue the edict of Kufr was designated as the pharaoh, and the one who inscribed the edict as Haman, and the other thousands of Malvis who followed them in the Punjab and India in this takfir of theirs were designated as their hosts. Had Malvi Muhyiddin not been so unfortunate, this meaning of the revelation was quite clear. For these were the people who had followed the way of the Pharaoh and Haman, that they resolved to annihilate me without investigation and raised a storm against me. An additional argument for it is that in my book Barahin, some 26 years ago, by way of a prophecy, both these had been named the Pharaoh and Haman. Thus on page 510 and 511 of Barahin Ahmadiyya, the following passage is recorded. See Barahin Ahmadiyya, page 510-511, Rouhani Khazain, volume 1, page 609-610. Translation. Recall the time when a pharaoh would denounce you as kafir and ask his companion Haman. Set ablaze the fire of excommunication, namely, compose such a fury edict, the sight of which would turn people into deadly enemies of this man, and believe him to be a disbeliever, so that I may see whether the god of this Musa Moses assists him or not. For my part, I considered him a perjurer. Abu Lahab lost both his hands with which he wrote the edict, and he too perished. He should not have dabbled except with care and caution in this matter. However, the hardship you suffer will be from God. This edict will cause a huge uproar against you. Therefore, be patient the way the resolute prophets were patient. Remember, this mischief vis-a-vis -vis apostasy will be caused by God with intent to bless you with his great love. This is the love vouchsafed by the benevolent Lord who is exceedingly mighty and exalted. This is a bounty which shall never be withdrawn. Now note it carefully with open eyes that here God has designated me Musa and the Mustafti, one who sought the fatwa, and the Mufti, one who issued the fatwa have been likened to Pharaoh and Haman. Malvi Muhyiddin disclosed this revelation in 1312 Hijra as is written in his letter. Thus, in accordance with the well-known Arabic proverb, that which precedes possesses superiority. This revelation of mine is more trustworthy. Again, another revelation in support of this is recorded in my book Izala Yauham on page 855. Rouhani Khazain, Volume 3, page 565, edition 2008. It is as follows, meaning that we intend to send unto you heavenly signs with which we will crush your opponents. We will show Pharaoh, Haman, and their hosts signs of our might, which they had always feared to witness. See how God named those people Pharaoh and Haman who were the first to denounce me as a kafir? 
This book was published in 1891 CE. Therefore, this revelation too precedes Muhyiddin by four years. For his letter containing this revelation was dated 1312 Hijra, and this book was published in 1891 CE. Therefore, the preference has to be given to what is first. In his letter, he has clearly referred to me as Pharaoh and my brother Nuruddin as Haman, and he sees himself in the role of Musa. How surprising that the Pharaoh and Haman are still alive while the self-styled Musa has passed away. For this divine analogy to be fulfilled, he should have died after our death, but instead he died himself. Will anyone answer this? Remember, this revelation of God has two readings, both kafara and kafara. Interpreted as kafara, it will mean someone who would at one time have confidence in me and would think well of me and would later turn away and deny me. This description applies very well to Mawi Muhammad Hussain of Badala, who declared such confidence in me in his review of Barahina Ahmadiyya that he was ready to sacrifice his parents for my sake. Footnote End by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad Qadiani Letter of Abdurrahman Muhyiddin In reply, Mirza Saif said that this revelation was subject to interpretation and that it did not contain his name, and with great emphasis claimed that I shall never be vouchsafed a revelation mentioning him by name. Both the revelations mentioned above were received in the month of Safar. When Mirza's answer came thereafter, in the month of Safar, I received the revelation during the sleep, i.e. Mirza Sahib is the Pharaoh. Allah be praised for this. Now Mirza's claim is falsified too and Mirza Sahib reached his aim. When I had received the first revelation, as soon as I woke up, the interpretation crossed my mind that the Pharaoh is Mirza Sahib and Haman is Nuruddin. It was a duty on my part in the interest of all the Muslims to inform them about it. O oh brother, you too now gird up your loins to speak the truth, for hypocrites are an evil visitation and mislead the people. The servant, Abdurrahman Muhyiddin of Lahoke, signed in his own hand on 21 Rabi'u 1312 Hijra. This is the letter of Marvi Abdurrahman Muhyiddin and was returned after it was copied to my honorable Marvi Hakim Nuruddin. He will keep it safe and whoever wishes may see it. In this revelation, he has designated me in his opinion as Pharaoh. As he himself has explained in this letter, it is surprising, though, that God should have addressed me so respectfully that instead of calling me Mirza, he has addressed me as Mirza Sahib. Perhaps they should learn etiquettes from God Almighty. The second wonder is that, despite my request that my name should appear in the revelation, God was too shy to mention my name and the overpowering effect of the shame prevented him from uttering my name. And the third surprise is that according to the revelation, I am supposed to be the Pharaoh and Muhyiddin becomes a surrogate of Musa. As such, I should have died during the lifetime of Musa, not that Musa himself should have died in the lifetime of Pharaoh. Muhyiddin was continuing to pray against me and he had witnessed a number of revelations concerning my death. How is it that all those revelations reverted to him instead, and it was he who had died instead of me? It is not strange that he who was declared by him to be the Pharaoh is still alive and is the one speaking, nay, rather, he progresses by the day, but the one who considered himself to be the like of Musa 
had passed away from this world many years ago and he cannot be found anywhere in the world? What kind of Musa was he who departed this world while Pharaoh was living? Furthermore, another revelation of Mohiuddin was, meaning that your maligner shall be destroyed and he shall remain issueless and shall die issueless. This revelation, in his opinion, indicated my perdition and destruction and death as issueless. Footnote start. This is not the sole effect of the Mubahila that Malvi Mohiuddin, after this prayer of his, himself died and so did his 18-year-old son. I have sent some ladies and learned through them that his wife herself says that after this curse, their household turned upside down. Malvi Muhyuddin soon died on the way from Makkah to Medina, and they faced such financial straits and hardships that they now survive only by begging. They bring flour from certain villages as charity and fill their bellies, but they starve on the day that flour does not come. His widow said, A veritable night has now descended upon us. Footnote end. Thus, Allah be praised that I am still alive. Mia Muhyuddin died some ten years ago, and after this revelation of his, three more sons were born to me. If after this revelation Muhyuddin too was blessed with any son who is still alive, I pledge that I shall pay 100 rupees in cash to his wife. Otherwise, it is obvious that this revelation of his fits his own self. I have heard from a reliable source that after this revelation no son was born to him. On the other hand, an adult son of his passed away. Only one son is still alive. In short, this revelation, which was in the manner of a mubahla, recoiled on his very self, and its meanings as revealed by the events are just that the first to die is indeed the pharaoh, and the one who is the surrogate of Musa is the subject of the other revelation, namely, which means that, during his very lifetime, his enemy would die issueless, would remain bereft of all bounties and blessings, and would be totally uprooted. Had Malvi Abdurrahman Muhyuddin not published both of these revelations, and had it not been his intent, as is clear from the very beginning of his letter, to humiliate me before the eyes of the entire nation of Islam, and to make me perceived as a pharaoh, and subsequent to my death, make people persist in cursing me eternally, as an impostor and liar, God Almighty would not have caused him to die so soon. But by publicly announcing his revelation, he beguiled the entire world through means of this revelation to perceive that I am an infidel, a hypocrite, and accursed, that I should die in his lifetime along with all my sons, that all of my affairs should be obstructed, and that he should be established as a man of God and a man of miracles. It is obvious that God Almighty does not tolerate such disgrace with regard to someone who is truly faithful and does not desire that a pure movement be ruined, because in that case he himself would be the enemy of his movement. So God Almighty was pleased with the decision that he destroyed and ruined him, Muhyuddin, instead. And no son was born to him after this prayer. On the contrary, one of the sons which he already had also died. Thousands of people know that I have already published this revelation from God Almighty that I shall humiliate him who designs to humiliate you. Therefore, is there any ambiguity in the fact that Abdurrahman Muhyuddin did not leave any stone unturned to humiliate me? He declared me to be Pharaoh, he made the prophecy about my extermination, and forecast the death of my progeny that all shall die. 
Thus, had I died prior to him, there is no doubt that all his friends would have considered my death to be his miracle. Had my children also died, two miracles of his would have been celebrated. But God Almighty blessed me with three more sons after this revelation of his. Moreover, he exposed the humiliation of Mohiuddin by killing him in my lifetime in keeping with his promise. I shall humiliate him who desires to humiliate you. That is not all. After his revelation, he granted me three more sons, but he kept his wife issueless, and thus showed thereby the proof of my honor to the world. After his revelation, he granted me three more sons, but he kept his wife issueless, and thus showed thereby the proof of my honor to the world. Who can be more jealous for his faithful servants than God Almighty? He demonstrated his jealousy for me. Alas, Abdurrahman Muhyiddin, despite his claim to being a Malvi and a recipient of revelation, did not fear God in the least and completely failed to heed the warning. Follow not that of which you have no knowledge. Surah Bani Israel, chapter 17, verse 37 of the Holy Quran. Thereupon he was seized by the promise of God Almighty, I shall humiliate him who designs to humiliate you. Therefore, it is a great sign for me that the man who presented a revelation for my destruction perished and died himself, as Abdurrahman Muhyiddin belonged to a family of scholars and held sway over thousands, on top of which he also claimed to be a lineal descendant of saints and the recipient of revelation, and he was quite renowned and popular in those regions. God did not desire that people should suffer ruin on account of his words. This is the secret why God, after his revelation in accordance with which he awaited my death and destruction, caused him to die instead, and showered hundreds of blessings upon me, and then even cut off the line of his descendants after the revelation. Yet blessed me with three more sons after his revelation. What happened to his revelation? Had he survived and I died instead? And had he been blessed with children and I been left issueless, who can doubt that hundreds of thousands would have celebrated him as a miracle worker? Already his was a family of ancestral saints. Therefore, by such a miracle, Lahukewala, resident of a village of hundreds of thousands, would have become true to its name, and hundreds of thousands of miracle seekers would have swarmed to Lahukewala. That is why God in a single instant made him, as the Punjabi proverb goes, from hundreds of thousands to zero. Even the performance of Hajj, the pilgrimage, did not benefit him, and he died in transit from Mecca to Medina, for the Khanakaba cannot save the unjust. This is the practice of God Almighty in relation to me, that he eventually seizes the one who overzealously pursues his intention to humiliate me, or manifests a sign for me in some other way in opposition to him. He invariably does at least one of these two things, or manifests his sign of authority in both respects. Therefore, since Abdurrahman Muhyiddin issued a public circular to disgrace me before all the Muslims in the Punjab, and asserted that I was an impostor, a liar, an infidel, a non-believer, a pharaoh, and not only this, he also appended the revelation that God would ruin and kill me, and my children too would die, and none of them would survive. On account of his transgression, he became worthy of suffering disgrace in accordance with the divine revelation. I shall humiliate him who designs to humiliate you. 
So what could be a greater disgrace than his dying in my very lifetime? If in accordance with his revelation, I was the Pharaoh, it would be expected that I should die in his lifetime, not otherwise. Moreover, his revelation had this stipulation that I would remain issueless. God was pleased to grant me three more sons after his death. This too bowed his humiliation because it transpired contrary to his revelation. I have written that whenever anyone intends to humiliate me, God Almighty sometimes shows my sign in some other form too. This is illustrated by the incident that when Atham died after the stipulated period, ignorant people raised a hue and cry that he did not die within the appointed time. Despite the fact that he had fulfilled the condition laid down in the revelation, because he had retracted in the presence of some 60 to 70 witnesses from calling the Holy Prophet wasallam, the Dajjal Antichrist. Still those whose nature was not pure did not refrain from raising objections. Thereupon God Almighty showed the sign of the assassination of Lekran for my help and support. Similarly, when my first son passed away, ignorant Maulis and their associates, as well as Christians and Hindus, expressed much jubilation. They were repeatedly reminded that the announcement of February 20th, 1886, contained this prophecy that some sons of mine would also die. It was therefore necessary that some sons should have died young. Even then, those people did not desist from raising objections. Thereupon, God Almighty gave me the tidings of another son. Thus, page 7 of my subsistihar, green announcement, has this revelation about the birth of that other son, the second Bashir, shall be granted, who is also named Mahmud. He has not been born until now, which is the 1st of September, 1888, but he shall, most certainly, be born within its stipulated time period in keeping with the promise of God Almighty. Heaven and earth can move, but it is not possible for his promises to be held off. This is the wording on page 7 of the Subzistihar, in accordance with which a son was born in January, 1889, who was named Mahmud, and who, by the grace of the exalted, is still alive and is in his 17th year.